Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're titling this Israel Continues Genocide Ethnic Cleansing of Philistine, as we like to refer to Palestine, the old biblical name, and as we speak, over 600 Palestinians in Gaza have been killed at the hands of the Israeli Defense Force, and we want to discuss several aspects of this, but we'll lead off with what Ron Dermer, who is the Israel ambassador to the United States, said Tuesday at the Christians United for Israel Summit in Washington. Now, the the, the good thing, according to this news report from the Times of Israel, July 22, 2014, they say here, quote, During an address at the Christians United for Israel Summit in Washington, Dermer was interrupted several times by hecklers, but delivered a passionate and warmly received speech in defense of Operation Protective Edge, calling Iran the great evil and accusing United Nations and human rights groups of inadvertently aiding Hamas in its war against Israel. Quote, Some are shamelessly accusing Israel of genocide and would put us in the dock for war crimes, unquote, Dermer said. Quote, But the truth is that the Israeli defense forces should be given a Nobel Peace Prize for fighting with unimaginable restraint, unquote. Unbelievable. I would call that chutzpah supreme. And we want to talk about the media coverage of of Israel's war crimes, how Israel justifies genocide invasion of Gaza, and genocide and ethnic cleansing in a media blackout. There are still some reports coming out of Gaza, and I would recommend uh, places like Al Jazeera, Democracy Now! has had some good reports on what's going there, and they have a reporter that does some reporting for them in Gaza. And it is amazing. And, of course, Americans, for the most part, are in the dark because they believe the lie that, or the... It's not a lie, actually. The Palestinians in Gaza have launched rockets, but that's the only thing that they can use as defense. There's only been, I think, two civilians killed in Israel as a result of these unguided rockets. And so what people forget to ask is, why do they launch these rockets? And so we want to talk about some of these issues today. Chuck? Yes, Tom. Well, this is the first time we've titled, I think, a major story, Genocide and Ethnic Cleansing. And uh, this is being talked about in this article as it unwinds, and we will be discussing it over the next couple of weeks. It gets into the politicians in Israel, what they're saying. It gets into a pretty good analysis of what the public thinks 
And of course, uh, it talks about uh, the IDS, Israeli Defense Forces themselves. This is the third major offensive by Israel into Gaza. Uh, there have been almost continuous spasmodic, but continuously spasmodic attacks on Gaza ever since the late 1990s. When I was there in 2002, in the spring, there just happened to be kind of a major attack from air, but it only lasted one night, and it killed four people and wounded 40 and filled the hospital up and the morgue, but it was over the next day and people were back in the streets. But Israel has accelerated those uh, attacks, and by the way, even at that time, there was nothing unusual about Israeli tanks bursting into Gaza and maybe uh, gunning down something or someone and then leaving. And the Gazan citizens, and at that time Hamas was not the leadership of Gaza. It was informally the Palestine Liberation Organization. It was thought of as a government. But they had a civil government there. And they would try to booby trap these tanks when they came in through the gates into Gaza. And at that time, people in Gaza fully shared with you and knew full well that they were living in a prison. So that prison has been uh, the subject of these periodic major attacks. And uh, the 208-9, 31-day, I think it was, Christmas War, was the worst up until this time. When uh, I think about, uh, what, 1,400 people were killed, as, as I recall. However, we have not used the term genocide because we use that term advisedly, meaning that there is really a plan to kill or to dispose of or to force all of the Gazans who live, all of the Philistines who live in Gaza City or Gaza, uh, to leave. And that's what genocide and ethnic cleansing means, die or leave. So we believe that actually what's going on now is a brazen effort by the Israelis for the first time to actually attempt to force the entire gulag of Gaza to actually leave uh, in, some, in some way, forced march or whatever. And so we've done this paper, and uh, the first thing, the subject that we talked about is destruction of infrastructure. And what we think is that the history of genocide in other major genocides, such as, as in Ukraine in the 1930s when four or five million kulaks were either killed or forced out of the breadbasket of Russia uh, in order for the Soviet Union to basically create communal farms, which was the communist style. So they had to get rid of the independent farmers who owned the land and had farmed it for centuries. And so they decided to kill them. And they used... Uh, a system of destruction of the infrastructure to do that. And that meant getting rid of uh, the means of life, such as food, hospitals, transportation, electricity, whatever people do need to live on, and, of course, water. Uh, so in Gaza, we believe that they're actually beneath this operation of killing people that we were hearing about. Uh, it appears that Israel is busily destroying every semblance of infrastructure, and later in the report we get into a hydrologist report and what's happened to, to uh, Gaza's water, 
we cover very well-known public reports about their inability to even get rid of their sewage. And, of course, uh, then the question of food. There is no possibility of the people there feeding themselves. There just is no possible way. Uh, they're dependent upon outside food. So that's what we refer to as infrastructure. So in the first part of this story, we talk about destroying infrastructure. And what they're doing right now in the early stages of this so-called invasion that we hear about is they're destroying hospitals, ambulances, and thousands and thousands of individuals' homes. So they simply are ordering people out of their homes, and then they're destroying all or most of the homes that they order people out of, and then these people are left destitute and homeless. This is what we mean by genocide, by destruction of infrastructure. We're not likely to learn much about what they're doing right now to the water wells, the cisterns, and the supplies of water in Gaza, but I can only imagine that, and that's going to be information that's hard to get uh, because it's, it's sort of a subtlety to do that. But Gaza is dependent on a few wells, not too many big water wells, and then a lot of little water wells. And their water supply is uh, probably, it's, it's already severely depleted and to a large degree poisoned by sewage. So we'll get into that in later sections, but uh, now I'll stop and, and, and take discussion here on this first uh, section of forced starvation by removal of infrastructure. Um, does anybody have any thoughts here? There was a rehabilitation for our handicap center that was bombed. And there's, like you said, hospitals that have been bombed. Uh, there was the four boys, Palestinian boys, nine to ten years old, that were bombed on the beach in clear sight of international journalists and also in clear sight of the uh, Israelis who shot uh, shells from the sea, from a ship. So this notion of being ready to receive a, a Nobel Peace Prize is unbelievable. Unbelievable. And the silence, just as an example of the silence, and we want to do a separate program on this, I went to visit a new church. A friend invited me to come there, and I knew who the pastor was. He's he's a he has a regular job. He's a career guy, but he he does pastor. Anyway, uh, his prayer was they have a number of military sons and daughters uh, overseas and so forth. So he prayed for the warriors, but I heard no prayer for the peacemakers. No prayer pleading God for intervention in what is happening in Israel. And so I would imagine that goes all over the whole country. Uh, when we were in our Sunday school class, I got up during our prayer request time and specifically asked that we pray for the people in Gaza that this could be ended. So the, the pastor that was leading the Sunday school session did include that in his prayer that both the Israelis and the Palestinians, you know, would, would be um, uh, saved and uh, from, from harm. But the fact is, over 600 Palestinians have been killed. Versus, I think there's been 
about 30 military, IDF military, that have been killed versus over um, three, no, over 600, and a very high percentage, they say upwards of 85%, are civilian casualties. A large number of those are children, women and children. So to say that they're in line for a Nobel Peace Prize uh, just boggles my mind and the gullibility of American citizens. But we do see some some glimmers of hope because this is so horrendous and there is some news getting out about what's going on in Gaza. One of the major topics that we cover in this paper is, oh, and by the way, just to kind of abbreviate things a little bit, part of the infrastructure of any community, any city, any place, is a government. Now, we have plenty of reason to criticize government for what they do, and most governments uh, are pretty bad, really. But nevertheless, uh, infrastructure does include it. You've got to have uh, someone taking care of things like water and power and lights and, and um, maintaining trash and garbage and public sanitation and things like that. And Hamas, of course, is the elected government of Gaza. It really doesn't matter if anybody likes Hamas or not. But Israel is in a program of attempting to completely eliminate Hamas. And we have a pattern for that right across the border in Egypt, uh, where the elected and functional government of Egypt was the Muslim Brotherhood, and then a military coup took place. And immediately after that, the military powers who took over with the force of guns, cannons, and and, and a lot of uh, U.S. military aid, by the way, has gone on a binge of arresting, killing, assassinating the leaders of their opposing party, which is called the Muslim Brotherhood. Whether or not you like Muslims or you like the Muslim Brotherhood, they were the part of the infrastructure that held together the society. And in fact, the Muslim Brotherhood, like Hamas, uh, had run dozens of hospitals and schools for many years, even when they weren't in power. So they had a, a significant impact on the infrastructure of Egypt. And, and now, of course, what's happening is they're being hunted down and destroyed, killed, to eliminate them as competition. Israel is doing, as we speak, the same thing, but we're not hearing about it. And that's the reason for the invasion, is that they cannot pick off the Muslim Brotherhood activists they know about or who they suspect. You don't have to be known there. You just have to be suspected. And there's no way for them to eliminate these people except to go house to house, find them, and then arrest them or kill them on the spot. And we're not going to hear much about that because that's the silent stuff that goes on with a few soldiers uh, going house to house or platoons going house to house or something. Chances are the reason there are some military being killed, a few, is that uh, they are running into some resistance when they go to these homes and communities. And some of these people in Gaza have a few small arms, enough to actually uh, shoot somebody if they get a clear shot at them. So destruction of the infrastructure is eliminating the effective government that's there. And Hamas is that. And part of Israel's 
effort to destroy through by destroying infrastructure is to eliminate totally Hamas or anybody else that has the power or an ability to govern. And this is part of what's going on there, Tom. Well, I've heard some reports from Israel claiming that they don't want to totally eliminate Hamas because on the theory that if they do, somebody more radical may come in. So they basically are saying they're going to uh, stun them. But how, you know, how much is stun and this effect that you mentioned on the infrastructure, it's going to have a devastating effect. And I would just like to add here, I'm getting ready to uh, make a donation uh, for Gaza, and I'm going to post a, uh, a link to Washington Report on Middle East Affairs, and they've got a list of charities that you can give to. Uh, you know, you can do your own research on that and make some contribution to uh, help Gaza. The United Nations has had a agency there for... I don't know if they've been there since the uh-huh. since the uh, 1967 or what, but it's one of the UN bureaucracies, and it. Uh, I'm not saying it's particularly good, but I, a very high percentage of Gazans get food from from uh, the United Nations. They have such a high unemployment rate. It's Tom. We have no way of knowing, of course, at the present time, if the UN is still able to get food in through the, the Eastern Gate, which is the, where they take the food in, to Gaza City. And there is a, um, a station there for them to go in, but we don't know. I, I have not heard, and I don't know if you have or not, I have not heard what the United Nations Food Agency is able to do during this invasion. Well, yeah, that makes you wonder, because all entrances are controlled, and since they've destroyed most of the tunnels from Gaza to uh, Egypt, it makes you wonder, you know, what's getting in, and if it's a re- obviously it must be a reduced rate. So the attackers are controlling everything in into it. We know the power is intermittent, has been even before the attacks. There's been uh, where they may only have eight hours of power a day. So it's been an ongoing siege, and so all we see is oh, they're reacting to these nasty rockets, unguided rockets that do sporadic damage. And again, we see this overkill where you've got over 600 to maybe 30 uh, Israeli, but most of those Israelis are are uh, military. Uh, Tom, uh, maybe we could take just a couple of minutes to talk about how Israel justifies genocide and invasion of Gaza. And uh, we hear about this so much that it really is surprising that anyone would, would believe this. The statistics have been available forever. I can remember a, a few years ago, the state of Israel was entertaining Jimmy Carter, who happens to be a nuclear physicist and therefore a pretty, uh, pretty savvy guy about mechanical things, perhaps, and certainly uh, aeronautical things. And... Uh, they were showing him a pile of rockets that Israel had collected that had landed on Israel and come out of Gaza. And you could see on, from the photograph and the kind of strange look on Jimmy Carter's face that the pile of rockets was really a pile of homemade pieces of steel, probably made pretty much on a sewer pipe or something like that. 
and most of them uh, clearly hadn't exploded. The whole rocket was still there. In other words, it buried itself in the ground somewhere, and the Israelis had dug it up and uh, threw it in this pile, and they were showing people a demonstration of how they were attacked by these rockets. It's very surprising that after some 12 years of this going on, that they're still getting away with it. They're still able to convince the American press and academia and, of course, people uh, like the Christian right movement that these rockets are a threat to them, even though in 12 years they've only recorded 10 or 12, I think maybe it was 11, Israelis who were killed by these rockets. And as we pointed out in the story, one of those incidents that accounted for 30% of the total kill over all these years turned out to be Arabs who were just conveniently were working close to Gaza, somewhat close to Gaza, on, a, on a, some kind of a work project, and a rocket mysteriously landed and blew up and actually killed everybody around it. And uh, that's probably the only time that's happened. So it's, it's sort of suspicious that that one rocket that hit Arabs, who happened to be Israeli citizens, and therefore Israel went ahead and counted them in their count of, of Israelis killed, even though they were Israeli Arabs, uh, Bedouins, basically, from a tribe. It makes one wonder, since that one incident accounted for 35% of a 12-year kill, if that couldn't have been staged pretty easily to kind of bump up the numbers to make one explosion happen. So what we've disclosed and talked about in this uh, story is uh, that the numbers add up to uh, sort of like a basketball game that goes 100 to 2, only it's more like 100 to 1. Uh, Or I think maybe it was, uh, for a while, it was 200 to 1 was the score. And yet this is used as a provocation and has been all this time, all these years, for all Israel's acts, including their 208 invasion of Gaza, they use the same excuse. The uh, Gazans are, are shooting rockets at us, we're threatened by this. Israel has even rigged up a system of air raid alarms all over their major cities. And these things go off periodically and people are supposed to run to shelters, but there's never any, there's never any guided bomb. Uh, it's just the air raid shelter. Uh, so They've contrived an enemy. They've dreamed up weapons that the enemy doesn't have. They trump up kill ratios, and they somehow sell this to the American people. And in our in our story, we talk a little bit how, about how they uh, how they pull this off, using the complicitous American press to make it sound like they really are threatened by Hamas's rocket attacks. In our story, we liken it to starving prisoners inside a jail or a gulag who throw their food at the uh, guards and maybe throw their furniture if they have any. It is possible that someone could be injured by a flying tray, if they had a tray or a chair or something, but the chances of anybody really being hurt by Palestinian rockets has over the years proven to be similar to the number of people who have been injured by foul balls at baseball games in the major leagues. The, the numbers are really very small, almost uh, negligible. And yet, uh, this has been manufactured into a, a cause and a, and a reason for these liquidating wars that have gone on 
we're now in the third one against the Gazans. And uh, that uh, is the result of, of course, our complicitous press, because our, our press could blow this thing sky high in, in one moment just by explaining what I just explained about these rockets, and all they'd have to do would be to do a little telephone research and maybe a trip to Israel to view the pile of spent rockets. Yeah, I bet we could end the war in a day if, if President Obama threatened Israel with holding all their military aid along with the military aid to Egypt. We had the the president wringing his hand saying, oh, it was so bad about those four children, 9 to 11 years old, being killed on the, on the beach. But in the same breath, then, well, Israel has its right own right to defend itself from from rockets. And, of course... They're the, the rockets. There, 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 there's the rocket, rocket argument again. Yes, exactly. So again, it's something that they've created this situation by virtually locking down Gaza, as we've described and as was described by Bob Simon of CBS News, who is Jewish and lives in, I don't know if he still lives in Tel Aviv, but he described Gaza as the world's largest open-air prison. And that was over five years ago. So we have lost our capacity to critically think about any issue. We get lots of content uh, from our media, our news, with little context interrupted by beer commercials for the good life. And where's the moral indignation from our fellow Christians, I don't see that. That's the sad, sad thing. Right. Well, we'll be talking more about that next week, and we'll talk about the other topics that are so important in understanding this effort uh, by Israel and understanding our point of view, of course, which we can't prove, but which we believe is absolutely true, that the intent of Israel is not just to kill a couple of thousand people and go home, uh, teaching them a lesson, uh, we believe that this time, or if, if Israel can't get away with it this time, then maybe not, uh, but uh, we think this time they have every intention of attempting to uh, eliminate the entire population of Gaza by forced immigration of some kind, killing as many as they need to to force the rest to leave. This was what Israel did back in 1948 when they first took over the land, They uh, wiped out 300 villages. They literally slaughtered uh, hundreds and hundreds of people in some of these villages just to frighten the rest into leaving. And then they told the other villages, you're next. And the next next thing we knew, these people, or we didn't know at the time, but what happened is that these people actually carried their meager belongings out onto the road uh, on their hands and head and actually walked out of Israel to keep them being murdered. We think Israel is really planning the same thing. Uh, There's no reason to think they're not just as diabolical now as they were in 1948. And today they have the full support of the United States and the U.S. media behind them, not to mention the U.S. military industrial complex, uh, who is very anxious to see bombs drop just about anywhere because that's how they make their money. By the way, the missile shield defense system that was built for Israel, it's uh, turned out now it's been exposed that that system doesn't work. 
For one thing, the critics of, of the system called Iron Dome, they found out that it won't blow up the kind of rockets that Palestine fires because they're too primitive. Uh, they have only T TNT in them. That's a very primitive uh, explosive. is isn't used in any modern weaponry today. Uh, very low-grade explosive by uh, modern terms. And the impact uh, of the uh, Iron, Iron Dome does not... Uh, doesn't set it off. It's not uh, sufficient to set it off in some cases. So the Iron Dome has knocked down only 200 out of the rockets sent by uh, and, and um, mortar rounds. Uh, a lot of these are World War II surplus that have been left over rattling around somewhere. Some are even Russian surplus, which is even worse. So we'll be discussing more about the plans and the politicians and others who are behind this mass plot of genocide, and we do not hesitate to call it a plan, because in our next edition, we'll actually read the plan to you. It's in Knesset today. Hey, Chuck, this is Craig. I have a question for you. Okay. I saw something on uh, national TV, and it showed a multi-tube launcher, probably an eight-tube launcher, with uh, Palestinian Arab logos and stuff on the side of it. Is that staged? Or is, is, do the Palestinians uh, in Gaza really have something like that? Uh, they could. I don't know what the, you know, I don't know how, there's rockets and there's rockets, and I don't know enough about rockets we really know. But again, the results speak for themselves. As of the eighth day of July, uh, there had not been one Israeli killed by any rocket fired on a Palestine. Now that goes back. To the, to the current series of rockets, which started back a couple of months ago when Israel started threatening and Hamas started firing, but there had not been a single, as a matter of fact, there had not been a human casualty until the eighth day. And on the eighth day, one of these rockets or, or mortar rounds, we don't know which, which it was because they don't really tell you, hit a filling station, ignited a fire, and one man was burned, but not fatally. That was the first, and Israel was, had already entered Gaza at the time. Uh, they'd, they were already bombing Gaza and had killed a, a, around 100 people. Uh, and that was the first, the very first casualty. It was a few days later that an Israeli who was close to Gaza and was, had something to do with the military and was in line of sight, was killed, and I don't know if he was killed by one of these shells, one of these artillery rounds, or mortar, actually mortar rounds, or whether he was killed by a, a bullet. But, Craig, the facts speak for themselves. If you have uh, a modern rocketry or, or missilery, then you are going to eventually hit something and kill somebody, and that's not been the case in this. So we have to presume that... Uh, that whatever it is they're firing is totally ineffective, and uh, so I don't know if that answers your question or not, because I don't know what kind of you know rocket launching equipment it was, or whether they really do have a truck mounted. It's pretty hard to imagine how they can have a truck mounted rocket launcher, because Israel flies over the place all the time, and they they have drones over it, and they know exactly what's there. I don't know how they could even hide a truck there, and. If they did have one, it would be an easy target because 
Israel is capable of tracing a rocket right to where it comes from, and they routinely pull up the guy with the rocket launcher who's firing the rocket. So presumably, if they were fired out of a truck, Israel would have no trouble tracking down that truck, and, and um, one Hellfire missile will take care of any truck you can drive into Gaza. And, of course, there would be no way to drive that truck into Gaza unless it would fit in a tunnel. There hasn't been any access to Gaza since at least 2004. Well, thanks for that report, Chuck. We'll look forward to seeing your article that gives a more in-depth analysis of this concept of genocide on the people in Gaza. And be sure, ladies and gentlemen, to find a a charity. And I, I think all these charities listed by Washington Report on the Middle East are probably... One of them is one that I give to, and it seems pretty reliable. And we need to be thinking of of Gaza because there's going to be need for a long time to help rebuild there if it is possible. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.